Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules Shepard. I'm your host, and I'm here to talk about a very fun topic, and that is gluten-free beer, wine, and alcohol. We are getting ready to come up on the most celebratory of all holidays, that is gluten-free New Year's Eve, right, and need to find something to serve at your party or to bring somewhere or just really want to sort through the confusion and you know, figure out what you can have to celebrate on this holiday and on any other holiday or on the other night of the week, I guess. A lot of people still have a lot of questions about which alcohols are truly gluten-free, and so I'm here to help you and to sort through the facts for you. So get out your pen and paper, or you can also check out my article at gfjewels.com and find out a little bit more information about some of the brands that are out there as well as the background information for some of the stuff that we're going to cover today. If you go to gfjewels.com and you hover over the tab why and how to be gluten-free, one of the most popular articles that I have there is actually called Gluten-Free Beer, Alcohol, and Wine. And it's because I think there are still so many myths uh, floating around on the Internet and other places about what truly is safe for someone with celiac disease or severe gluten sensitivity. And um, I want to sort that through for you today because I want you to be safe and happy and healthy and also to feel, you know, liberated in that you have so many choices. I know when I was first diagnosed with celiac disease in the 90s, there certainly was no such thing as gluten-free beer, but there were questions even about whether wine was gluten-free. And, you know, definitely distilled alcohols, people were very concerned about that. And I still see things floating around today, and it's frustrating because it's hard to sift through and really find the true answers to what is gluten-free. So that's what we're going to tackle today. I would love to hear some of your favorites when we're done with the show. If you want to comment on Twitter, uh, my handle is at the GF Jewels, and elsewhere around Social media, I am GF Jewels, and you can certainly reach me through my website, gfjewels.com, and there's an opportunity to leave comments throughout. I'd love to hear what brands of alcohols you've tried, what you like, what you don't like. You know, Do you like to bake with them? Do you like to um, bring them to parties? Do your non-gluten-free friends enjoy them as well? Those are all really great pieces of information that we can all benefit from. So without further ado, I'm diving in to tackle the first question, which is wine. And, you know, I think at first blush, people, okay, pun intended, um, people might think, well, of course wine's gluten-free. Why would you ever think it wasn't? Well, there are some people who are hesitant about wine because there is an old practice that 
people have used in the winemaking business where when they're storing the wines, and wines, of course, are made from grapes, which are gluten-free, but when they're storing the wines in oak barrels, some places will actually use a wheat paste to seal the oak barrels. And so you have some folks who are confused about whether or not this is going to make the the, um, the wines not safe for them if they have celiac disease or gluten sensitivity or even a wheat allergy. Well, looking at it a little bit closer, and I actually did an entire radio show on this, and you can find this information on, on Blog Talk Radio and also on the podcast archives. But looking at it a little bit further, if you understand the ones that are using the wheat paste, and first of all, a lot of them are not using the wheat paste, but the ones that do use the wheat paste, it's sealing the oak barrels on the outside. And if you've ever seen a barrel where the stays come together, they come together pretty closely. In fact, that's why they're made the way that they are and so that they won't leak. Now, they do seal them with various things, including sometimes wheat paste on the outside just in case. But this would theoretically you know, not really come in contact with the wine itself. Secondarily, let's say that it did come in contact with the wine itself, in a very limited way, of course. If you understand how much wine is in one of those barrels and you understand that the FDA and current science um, has stated that less than 20 parts per million of gluten is safe for someone on a gluten-free diet, the amount of gluten that would have come in contact with the wine in that barrel is absolutely positively minuscule, far, far less than the 20 parts per million that would be required for a gluten-free label. And the other question that people sometimes have with wine is, is gluten or wheat used in fining or clarifying the wine? When wines are made, they're often you know cloudy, and some wines are left this way on, on purpose intentionally, because of the type of wine that, that what that they are, but others, most of which are actually fined. And they use various agents to clarify the wine, basically adding them to the wines, and they settle to the bottom, pulling the cloudiness with them, anything else that's coming through in the wine that's sort of making it cloudy. These are not, um, these agents, these fining agents are not gluten. So you don't have to worry about gluten being added to wine in order to clarify it. However, if you are vegan or have an egg allergy or something like that, you do want to understand that some of these fining agents are eggs, usually egg whites. Now, they're removed from the wine at the end. That's the whole idea. They clarify the wine and all of the agents themselves, the egg whites, and everything that they had that stuck to them that was making the wine cloudy is removed from the wine. But you do want to understand that that might be something that you would like to avoid. And there are lists around the Internet um, that are fairly easy to find for vegan wines, and those would be wines that are not used, um, the egg whites are not used in them, and also that isinglass, which is um, a fish byproduct, is not being used in those wines. Again, though, that's for folks who have other allergies or are um, living a vegan lifestyle. You do not have to worry about gluten being contained in fining agents. Again, if you'd like to hear more about the winemaking process, which to me <laughs> is very fascinating, um, you can listen to the Gluten-Free Voice episode um, that where we talk about 
all about winemaking, and I actually interviewed a winemaker for it. It was a really fascinating discussion. I learned a lot, and I've um, written articles about wine for years, and I learned a lot of things in that episode that I didn't even know. So wine is gluten-free. Yay. Um, Let's talk about some other alcohols. What about wine coolers? No. Wine coolers are not gluten-free because they're really not wine. They may sometimes be made with grapes, which would then lead you to the conclusion that they're wine. But they're typically malted beverages. So um, malt liquor and wine coolers, things like that, that are made with malt are not gluten-free. They are made from barley, which if you are living gluten-free, you should know, is one of the grains that contains gluten. Barley hordines are the gluten in barley. And this is where, where things get tricky in alcohol because malt is a flavoring that's used frequently in making alcohols. And we'll talk about that some more when we get into beers. But you need to avoid malt beverages, which include wine coolers. On the other hand, hard ciders are typically gluten-free, and there are lots of really good ones out now. There's Angry Orchard, there's Sam Smith, there's a bunch of really good ones, and they kind of run the gamut from sweet to not so sweet, you know, more of a pear flavor or apple flavor. You know, there's all kinds of different ones, so don't just write them off if you tried one and don't really like it. There are so many different ones, and there are a lot of local Uh, manufacturers who are making them too. So I know where I live, there's um, some really good brands that are in Virginia area that are hard ciders you can't really find necessarily anywhere else. So look for some of those microbrew type hard ciders too that might be in your local um, alcohol stores. Ask the owners there and see if they have any lines on anything like that that would be around near you because those are fun and festive as well, especially this time of year. Apple ciders are very fun. Um, Mixes like Bloody Mary and Margarita Mix and things like that, usually those are okay, but you do want to check the ingredient labels because sometimes they could contain that barley malt that we talked about or some other hydrolyzed wheat proteins as fillers. There are some really good mixes that I like from Tres Agaves, for example, that are just really lime juice and agave, you know, for for, – Margaritas. So something simple, something really back to the basics, and that's what a margarita is supposed to be. So don't, you know, sort of, I guess, err on the side of a cleaner label, even when it comes to your um, drink mixes, because sometimes you'll find some that have long, long lists of funky chemicals and colorings, and you don't want that anyway, but it certainly makes it easier to identify the ones that would be gluten-free if you're avoiding all of those kinds of funky ingredients in your drink mixes. Okay, so... Let's talk about distilled alcohol. This one's a tricky one because I remember when I was first diagnosed, um, I was told absolutely positively you cannot have hard alcohol because it's largely made from wheat or barley or rye, you know, bourbons and things like that. But you could try to find potato vodka if it's absolutely 100% potato, which is the way vodka used to be made anyway. And there's some wonderful potato vodkas out now. And there are things like Tito's vodka, you know, handmade vodkas like that that are gluten-free, and they advertise that prominently, and it's kind of fun to see. But just so you know, distilled alcohol 
is actually gluten-free, no matter what it's made from, whether it's made from wheat or rye or even the barley. And the reason is because of the distillation process. And I don't want to get into too you know, complicated um, description, I guess, of what is distillation. But let me kind of break it down, again, pun intended, for you so that you can understand why when someone says, well, how can you possibly drink you know, bourbon when it's made from um, you know, rye, a uh, rye bourbon or something like that? when we know that that has gluten in it. Well, if you understand that in the distillation process, ethanol, which is the alcohol, is a volatile, um, it becomes a volatile gas. And so when it's heated, it actually becomes a gas, and then when it's cooled, it then settles again and becomes a liquid. So if you've ever seen shows about moonshine or um, anything where you've seen a picture of a still, you see these two sort of large containers or vats. And in between them, you see this curly Q type of pipe. And what's happening is that they're changing the liquid, the initial alcohol that's made from something like wheat um, or rye. And they're heating it up, and the alcohol, the ethanol, will become a gas, and it will travel through that pipe, and it will go to the other side, where it will then um, cool and condense back into a liquid and fall into that clean vessel. All of the other stuff that um, started out in the first vat that is not volatile, that will not become a gas and transfer, will stay, and it will not actually make it into the new vat, which is what the distilled alcohol is. So it's purified in a way. Gluten is one of those things. Gluten is a relatively large molecule. It does not cross over because it is not volatile. So one of my favorite analogies that I've seen someone um, describe is if you were to take a tea kettle and you put some sand in the bottom of the tea kettle and then you poured water on it. You took the spout off of the tea kettle and you put a condensing tube, one of those you know curly Q tubes that I described a minute ago. Put it on the tea kettle. You heated up the water. The water would then go through the condensing tube and it would then dump as a gas into, you know, as steam into the new clean pot. The sand in this scenario would be akin to the gluten. At the end of the day, the gluten or the sand is still in the original teapot. It's not going anywhere. The sand is not going to become a gas and then recondense into sand on the other side. So it's going to stay there because it's heavy and because it's not volatile. So that's exactly the same thing that's happening with distillation. So the only way that a distilled alcohol would then contain gluten is if there was some flavoring that included, again, probably that malt um, or a different type of mash that they added it in at the end. So they didn't distill it after they added that in. So the initial distillation process is what makes the grain alcohol, the grain alcohol that we know to be bourbon whiskey, you know, gin, whatever, whatever the, the alcohol is you're talking about. Those are distilled. But if at the end of the day they then want to flavor that distilled alcohol by adding more gluten in, that is where you would find that the alcohol was no longer gluten-free. That to my knowledge, in all of the looking around and exploring that I've done, does not happen very often. But these alcohol manufacturers are very, they keep their formulas close to the vest. And so some of them will on their website say, yes, this is gluten-free. And some of them will not. For example, I think it's um, Irish whiskey. There are a couple different brands of Irish whiskey that will say that they are gluten-free on their websites, and others will not claim that they're gluten-free. My personal 
feeling about this is that if a company is going to say, we are not willing to say that our product is gluten-free, then I will opt to go with a different brand that is willing to say that they are gluten-free because they, A, want my business, right? And B, they've actually gone through the steps to determine that they legally can claim that their product is gluten-free because now we have the um, FDA um, gluten-free food labeling regulations, and those are followed largely by the TTB that regulates alcohol as well. So we have in place a system that generally the manufacturers are, are following, and if they're willing to go to the trouble of actually claiming that their product is gluten-free, let's talk about Tito's, for example, they advertise we have gluten-free vodka, that is the type of product that I would gravitate towards because I would feel like it's safer, but also because they're going after my business. They want me as a gluten-free consumer to choose their product. So that's sort of where I end up um, you know, giving my business. But that does not mean that if you go to the store and you're looking at you know, five different types of bourbons and none of them say anything about gluten or gluten-free, it does not mean that the ones that are there are not gluten-free. If they are distilled, they should be gluten-free, unless there's some weird you know, addition of flavoring at the end. So my other rule of thumb is that I will stay away from anything that is flavored. So I know right now there's a big thing on vodkas. You know, there's this, that, and the other type of flavored vodka, cheesecake-flavored vodka, you know, whatever. That is telling me that there is a flavoring that's added after distillation. It does not mean that the flavoring contains gluten, but the flavoring could contain gluten. So, for example, I just wrote an article for Gluten-Free and More about um, New Year's libations, and I was coming up with various cocktails. And one of the cocktails that I came up with involved cherry vodka. But instead of buying cherry vodka, I bought vodka and I added cherry juice. Again, I think it tastes better anyway, and at least I know that I'm being safe in the choice that I'm making for that particular cocktail. So try the website of the manufacturer you're considering, first of all. See if they have an FAQ where they address the issue of gluten and in their flavoring or anything like that. If not, you can also reach out to them by phone or by email. And you know, as sort of a fallback position, just know if it's not something that's, that looks like it's flavored, it is most likely just distilled, plain old, regular you know, distillation alcohol, and then you're safe. Same with um, vinegars, by the way. A lot of people think that vinegars are not gluten-free. They are, unless you're buying malt vinegar. Other vinegars are gluten-free because they go through the same distillation process. Okay, so <laughs> moving on from hard alcohols. Now we get into a super fun topic, which is gluten-free beer. Again, when I, when I was first diagnosed, there was no such thing as gluten-free beer. So this has been a super fun thing for me to see develop over the past many, many years. First of all, there came to be lots of different microbrews who were creating gluten-free beer. And they were you know, all sort of doing it on the model of using a gluten-free grain, like rice, sorghum, millet, these naturally gluten-free grains. And they um, sometimes have more distinct flavors than others. Typical beers are made with barley and hops, and the hops are gluten-free, so you don't have to worry about hops. It's a flour. Um, but the barley, of course, is a problem. But barley is traditionally what makes beer, right? And so if you have a beer that 
is not made from barley, it's not going to taste the same as beers made with other grains. It's going to be harder to get that sort of barley flavor that we're used to. Now, beers run the gamut. There's all sorts of beers, from super light American-style beers to more robust European-style beers. You know, there's just there's tons of different ty- types and styles of beers. So it's easier to um, you know, replicate the flavors in certain types of beers than it might be with others. But as these other companies came around, using rice and sorghum and millet, some people gravitated to some more than others, and you know they all have very distinctive flavors. Some of the first ones were new grist and bard's tail, and then we started having um, other big guys enter the picture, like Redbridge. Anheuser-Busch came in with their Redbridge beer, more of an American-style beer. And then we started getting some beers from Europe that were being imported, some like Greens Beers that has that true, um, you know, European Belgian ale flavor, and that really rounded out a lot of the options that were available. And you know, there's still all these different microbrews out there, like Groundbreaker Brewing out in Portland. There are others called things like Glutenberg, and others from Europe, Hamilton, St. Peter's. Um, and also New Planet, which is a local one here in, um, I guess it's in Colorado where it's based. So there's lots and lots of different choices out there. But some people were, you know, really feeling like they didn't like some of the sorghum-based beers as much as others. And so some other um, companies have come in making beers that a little more mild, a little more um, accessible to the American palate, things that didn't have the bite that a lot of the original sorghum beers um, had. And one of those was uh, is gluten-free beer from Coors Peak. And, again, this is naturally gluten-free. It's made with um, brown rice instead of that barley, and they malt their brown rice to get that real you know, good beer flavor and protein um, from peas, of all things, which is kind of neat. But it's an, it's an easier drinking beer and one that's kind of more akin to what the American palate is used to. So we've gotten you know, all kinds of different gluten-free beers out there, choices for everyone, for um, different people you know, like bigger, more robust, or, or easier drinking beers. You have choices. And when I was first gluten-free, there were no choices. So I love seeing more and more beers out there, and I would love to hear from you if you've found some in your area that you particularly like because there are all different ones around the country. The um, course, for example, is right now just available in the upper northwest of the country, and we're hoping that it's going to be you know, across the country soon and we'll be able to get to it because I know people are itching to get that beer um, elsewhere. But you know, if you find a good local microbrew, tell others about it in your area and tell the local beer store because they'll carry it if, you know, there's a demand for it. And luckily there really is much more of a demand for the gluten-free beers. Well, all this that I've been talking about so far is these naturally gluten-free beers. These are the ones that are made with alternative gluten-free grains. So there's no gluten that enters the picture at all. And these are beers that you will find that may be labeled gluten-free, according to the FDA. And the reason why the FDA is regulating them is because there's no barley, and barley puts it in the category of the TTB. So the FDA will say, yes, you can call this beer gluten-free, because it, it is. There's no gluten in it. There's no gluten used in the process of making it. It's not a gluten beer, um, you know, and it's definitely safe for people who have celiac disease or have a severe gluten sensitivity. But recently there have come into the market some other beers that people 
are confused about whether or not they should try them or not. And I want to address it just because I want people to understand what the choices are. And, you know, you make the choice for yourself, of course, but you need to understand what the differences are because these beers are called gluten-removed beers. And they're beers that will not be labeled gluten-free when you see them in the store. They, the store itself might take the beer and put it in a gluten-free section, and that is a little bit troubling to me because it is not the same as a gluten-free beer. But because they're being marketed as gluten-removed beers, a lot of people who don't really understand the nuances about the differences of the two uh, are lumping them in the same category when you go to the store and you go shopping. However, for, for labeling purposes, they are not allowed in interstate commerce in the United States, and I believe in Canada as well, to be labeled gluten-free. They can have other things written on the package that are spelled out by the FDA, you know, something to the effect of, um, you know, it's been processed to remove gluten, but the gluten content of this product cannot be verified and the product may contain gluten, which is, you know, a pretty shocking thing to read if you're someone who has celiac disease or, or is made very, very sick by eating or drinking gluten. If there might still be some gluten in there, I certainly would have hesitation. The reason why this statement is there and the reason why there's been all this caution and hesitance on behalf of the United States regulatory authorities to allow them to be called gluten-free is because the current testing that we have is all built around testing foods and testing things that have intact proteins. So um, we have testing that will, you know, identify how much gluten is left in a product. And what's happened for these gluten-removed beers is that they have added an enzyme. It's called Brewer's Clarex, and generally they all have followed the same process. They've added this enzyme, which originally was introduced for clarification of the beers. Remember I mentioned earlier about wine. So to clarify the beers, they were adding this enzyme. Well, a byproduct of this enzyme people figured out was, hey, when we test these beers that are made with barley and we've, we've used this Brewer's Clarex on the beer, we test it using the traditional gluten testing methodologies that we have. It looks like it's gluten-free. And so it must be removing the gluten. What's really essentially happening is it's breaking apart the gluten protein, the, the barley hoarding. It's breaking it up into pieces. And the tests that we have cannot accurately identify how many of those pieces are there. And we're not even completely sure what those pieces are saying to someone's body who has celiac disease, for example. Does the body see all the pieces or does the body say, I don't know what that is anymore, I'm not going to react to it because it's all in pieces. There's a lot of questions out there about it. And there are people obviously working very, very hard to come up with new tests that will accurately measure whether or not the gluten is indeed sufficiently removed from these beers. Now, the people who are brewing these beers obviously do not want to make anyone sick, and they are trying to do this in order to introduce beers that have that traditional barley flavor that, you know, the, that people are used to with beer. And there are lots of them out there. There are lots of, um, of choices if you go to the store and you're looking for different beers, and you feel like this is something that you're willing to you know, take a chance on and to try one of these beers, you will not have any problems finding them. There's some different ones out there. There's Estrella Daradam. There's Emission, uh, Brunhart. The Emission is the one that most people see here in the United States. And they've been available 
the European ones like Dara have been available for a while in Europe. And, you know, it's really you could probably get a room full of people and they're going to some people are going to be very passionate about the fact that they're safe and some people are going to be very passionate about the fact that they're not safe. All I can say to you is if you are truly following a gluten-free diet because of medically necessitated reasons and you do not want to risk your health on a beer, I would say just select a beer that is a naturally gluten-free beer. Again, I've covered several different brands today on the show, but you can go to my website at gfjewels.com and look up that alcohol and gluten-free beer article, and I've got most all of the ones that are listed there that should be available around the country. I mean, there are so many great choices in the naturally gluten-free beers right now that there's really not any reason why you'd have to gravitate towards a gluten-reduced beer. And the jury's still out on that. It could be that one of these years they're going to come up with testing and they're going to learn that this has been safe all along. Or it could be that they're going to learn, oops, no, it's not so safe. And that's kind of where we are. So that's why it's not allowed to be labeled gluten-free for the purposes of the FDA and also for TTB. So if you have more questions on that, I get it. I understand why it's confusing. And, again, people probably feel very passionately one way or the other on it. But I would say if, if you're entering this market and you're on a gluten-free diet for medically necessitated reasons, there are so many wonderful gluten-free beers out there, naturally gluten-free beers out there, that you have so many good choices. I would start with those and see if you can find something there that you really like because I bet you'd find something that you do enjoy. There are some other really great um, items out there that are sparkling options, and I don't even have time to get into them now, but there's some really wonderful options out. Um, I'll try to add them to my article so that you can find them as well. And don't forget about sake. Sake is also gluten-free. There are more options, I would say, now that are gluten-free than not, so you should be able to find something to make your New Year's merry and bright and certainly have something to enjoy on uh, a Wednesday night on a random week, anytime you'd like. Thanks for listening, and please do chime in. Let me know what your favorite brands are. Let me know if you have any further questions about it, and stay tuned for more information on the latest products that are coming out, the latest gluten-free beers, wines, alcohols. And definitely check my website for recipes that I use gluten-free beers in. I love gluten-free beer for recipes. I've made some soups. I've made cakes. I've made breads. So even if you're thinking, yeah, I don't really want to drink it, um, you might want to think about using gluten-free beers in your baking because it's pretty yummy, and it um, gives a lot of lift to breads and things because of the carbonation. All right, I'm going to cut it off because I'm going to go to the liquor store and go find some gluten-free beer for my New Year's Eve party. (laughs) Have a wonderful New Year and happy um, 2016. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.